Good morning again, church. Uh, what a great day. I came up this morning pretty early, came in my office and um, had to open the door because it was such a nice day outside. And uh, I think that uh, we are on the other side of a lot of stuff. But this morning, um, I want to preach the second message in this uh, series we're calling uh, The Pursuit. And, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives and ways that we can come at these stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. I'm going to talk this morning about the lost coin. And so let me just start off by asking maybe a question. Maybe, you know, how many times have you lost something and you couldn't rest until you found it? You turned the house upside down. You turned the car upside down. You turned your office upside down looking for that one thing, whatever it is. It might not be anything more than just a set of keys, although those are pretty important. But you couldn't rest until you found them. Well, listen, this morning, we're going to talk uh, for a few minutes about a woman who had 10 coins, and she lost one coin. And so before we get there, let me just ask you one more question. Have you ever seen the TV show American Pickers? I remember years ago when that show first came on, I didn't really watch it. I just saw it, you know, in the guide as I would scroll through looking for something to watch and uh, American Pickers and I'm thinking is, is that guitar and banjos I didn't know I literally thought maybe it was like a you know some guys teaching banjo guitar or whatever and one day I tuned in and I you know got it on the air and I started watching it and that's probably one of my favorite shows because they they these two guys they they go around the country looking for treasure looking for things that uh, are buried in people's garages or in people's storage rooms or wherever. And uh, what they'll do is when they find it, the, usually the owner has no clue what he has. They have no clue what it is. They just think it's junk and, you know, well, what would you take for it? Well, what are you willing to give me for it? And so this bantering takes place. And eventually the the guys that are on the show, that are running the show, they'll say something like, look, They'll offer them, well, how about give me 50 bucks? And a lot of times they'll say, man, that's worth a lot more than that. And so they'll come to an agreeable price. So, you know, I love that particular show because, and here's, here's the statement, you've heard it, one man's junk is another man's treasure. Well, uh, I think that basically the value that we place on things determines everything. The value that we place on our time determines how we spend it. The value we place on our family determines how much time we give to it. The value we place on anything determines how we feel about it and how we treat it. And so the last thought here is the value that you place on yourself will also determine everything. And a lot of people, listen, I'm sure there's people out there, talk to people all the time, and they feel pretty worthless. And it's maybe because of things that didn't happen. Or maybe it's because of things that did happen. Maybe it's because of what someone told them. Maybe a career didn't work out. I don't know. But people can come to that point where they feel very worthless. And I think if we begin to put that value on our life, we begin to treat ourselves as worthless. Maybe even a lot of you struggle with this. I don't know. But, uh, you know, people would be shocked to know the value that God puts on you, the value that God puts on people. I think a lot of people would be shocked to think that God considers me valuable, not just important, priceless. He considers you to be an absolute 
priceless treasure. And so, uh, you know, what, what, is, what is the value that God has put on each and every life? You know, there's, I think there's about 8 billion people on the planet, give or take, a million or two. And, but God doesn't value this group less than that group. He loves every single person. He loves everyone everywhere. He loves them. And that's really kind of what this story is talking about. It's, talk, it's, it's really a, a parable or a, a, a made-up story, possibly. I don't know if it's true or not. But it's a, a made-up story that tells a real story. And so, uh, you know, maybe if you knew the value that God had on you, you would think that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't add up. It's illogical that God could value me that much, but I want you to know God's love for you is, is beyond anything that, that we can imagine. And even if we really like ourselves, and I think it's important that we do like and love ourselves, but God loves you more than you can imagine. So let me read this, these scriptures here. This is Luke chapter 15, verse 8 through 10. And it says, suppose a woman has 10 coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Hey, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner, over one lost person who repents. It's all about value. Really, that story is all about value. So this woman loses a silver coin. And in this day, actually, if you look that particular word up, it was called a drachma. We don't use that word, but she had lost a drachma. And I was wondering, you know, what's the actual value of a drachma? And you really can't find an exact, but I found, you know, some different sources that said, these are some of the things. It said uh, uh, that, that it's actually, a, the value is the fraction of a penny. And then somebody else makes the comment that it's about 18 or 19 cents. Another source said it's enough to buy a portion of sheep. And then even another one said it's like a day's salary. Then I got to thinking, why are there so many discrepancies about the value of this silver coin or this drachma? Why such a discrepancy in values? And then I guess I just kind of, it came to me that it's really all about market value. What somebody is willing to pay for something. One week, maybe it's one silver coin. Maybe the next week, it's two or one year. Maybe it's, you know, a half of a coin. Don't really know. But it's really what the market will bear. It's what the market demands. And so the answer, what's a drachma uh, valued at or what's the, the worth of a drachma? Well, it depends. It depends. Now, in this parable, the silver coin is really it's referring to people. He's not talking about literally a silver coin. He uses that analogy, but he's using that analogy to show how this woman was feverishly, feverishly looking and, 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 and searching and, and looking under and over and through everything to find that coin. Why? Because she valued that coin, and I don't really know why, but people value things at a level that we don't really understand sometimes. And so uh, isn't that a kind of fitting that God would consider men or allow men to see themselves as a drachma, maybe lost in the dirt, lost in the dust. What is the value or the price 
of a dirty piece of silver, a dirty coin. Well, really, it's God's the one that makes that determination. And the value that God put on that is that he gave the life of his son. The value that God placed on that coin in this parable was he, he's looking desperately. He's looking with everything he is. God doesn't have a, oh, well, that's, I got lots more where that one came from. He looks. In, in, in uh, 2 Peter 3, it, it tells us that God's not willing that any would perish. He's not willing that any would perish. Oh, well, there's some lost there. There's some lost there. That's not God's intention. That's not God's attitude. God's attitude is we've got to find them. We've got to go search for them. We've got to look for them. That's really the crux of this story of the woman that had the ten coins and lost the one. And so basically, you know, in our society, in our world, uh, there's a, a, a wide variety of opinions about how much things are worth, how much people are worth. Like, for instance, if you can shoot a basketball through a hoop consistently, over and over, under pressure, you're worth a lot. If you can throw a baseball 100 miles an hour and be consistent to get it in the strike zone, you're worth a lot. You're worth millions. If you can, uh, uh, could throw a football and, and pick your spot and hit a receiver wherever on the field that, that he happens to be and he can get it across the goal line, you're worth millions. But in our society, how about uh, the, a mother who can bring up a healthy, well-adjusted child? In many ways, our society doesn't value that. How about newborn babies? Newborn babies that bring so much joy to the heart and to the life of families. In many ways, our society doesn't value them just by the way they're treated. So this morning... The value that, that we're talking about today is really not the value the world places on us or the world places on people. The value we're talking about this morning out of this parable is the value that God has, the value that God places on you. And let me just tell you, the value God places on you is immense. You are priceless. I don't know if you've ever had anybody tell you that, but you are absolutely priceless. And how do I know that? Because God sent his own son to die on a cross for me and for you. And so God took the most valuable thing, possession, person that he had, and that was his own son. And he said, he sent them. He said, go, go die. Go die on that cross that we could make a way for all of these lost souls, all of these lost coins to be restored. God is in hot pursuit of your life if you're not born again. Maybe you are born again. Maybe you've received Christ, but you've got family members and you've got loved ones that aren't. I want you to know God hasn't forgotten them. God hasn't written them off. You know what we are? We are those people that he wants to, to put in charge of the search and rescue. He wants us to search and bring the gospel, bring the hope of this message of Christ to their lives. So there's a, a, a wide variety of opinions about the value that we have uh, of ourselves in this world of people, but God's value never changes. He never looks at someone and says, they're no longer any value to me. Our value to God is priceless. And so, you know, maybe this coin, let's take another turn just for a second. Maybe this coin, which is representing people, maybe this coin was lost 
because of carelessness or neglect. I don't know. We don't really know a lot about this woman. We don't know a lot about the story. All we know is that a woman had 10 coins and she lost one. What are the story? What's the details behind it? We don't know. Well, did she misplace it? Did she leave it lying around? Did she have a hole in the bag? And I've heard people say that it was on a crown. I don't know. It may have been. But the thing was, possibly that coin could have been lost because of neglect because it got left laying around and maybe got brushed off in the floor, fell between the cracks in the floor or whatever. Don't really know. But uh, there's a lot of people. There's millions and dare I say millions and millions of people who are lost today because of neglect or carelessness. And what am, I, what am I saying? Why am I saying it that way? Well, they didn't choose to be lost. That coin didn't choose to be lost. I don't think anyone chooses to be lost. I just think they find themselves in a state of lostness, if I can use that word, lostness. Because that's where they, a lot of people find themselves. Or maybe uh, those uh, who had the responsibility of training up children. And I'm not trying to you know, put any heavy load on parents. But we do have a responsibility. Maybe those that have the responsibility of training up children. Maybe they just never included God or church in the life of their children. Or in the life of their family. Maybe dads said, I don't want to go to church. Church is not important. God is not important. And so because they didn't want it and they neglected it, possibly maybe a family member that maybe would have wanted it, could have wanted it, didn't get that opportunity. And so the carelessness maybe of someone else has put them in a condition of lostness. We don't really know. And I'm not, I don't really know about this woman, but I'm just trying to expand my thoughts on how this might look. You know, there are a lot of people who are being simply kept away from the, the Bible and from church and from the things of God because somebody in their world doesn't think it's important. Now, maybe I'm talking to dads and moms and loved ones. I don't know. And maybe you've got children or cousins. I came to Christ because of an uncle that came and he talked to me and he invited me and he stayed after me and he would not be careless with my soul. And he made sure that I heard the gospel. He invited me, and he even made efforts to bring me so many times until finally I did come. And I'm not putting shame on anyone. I'm just saying maybe we are in that place where we're looking and searching for people that are lost not because of any reason of their own, but maybe just because they were raised in an environment where they didn't have that opportunity. Uh, you know, uh, People that are never exposed to the gospel, they have an idea of what that is. Oh, it's just a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo, and they don't know. The Bible tells us the gospel is the power of God to save the lost, to save every person. And I know that's true because I used to pastor young people, and the one thing that we would always do is we would always talk about salvation, talk about Christ dying for their sins, and I was always open to allow questions and comments because why because I don't want to be nobody wants anything shoved down their throat but people want to have the opportunity to receive it and to hear it I heard this story about a, a, a guy his name is Jonathan Miller he's a British poet uh, he's a, a producer a writer and 
this was an interview that he was uh, having with uh, someone, uh, you know, this is years back, and the question that they asked him was this, so why are you an atheist? Because he was a renowned, I guess, or a very above board with his uh, atheism. Why are you an atheist? The interviewer asked, to which he simply answered, he said, my parents never gave me an option. He said, no Bible was in our life, no Bible values, uh, no church was in our life. I never just decided to become an atheist. He said, I was just never given the chance. I want you to know that that's how a lot of people find themselves when they become teenagers or in their 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or my mom came to Christ in her 60s. And the thing is, is no matter how we find ourselves in that place of being separated from God, know this, that God is searching for you. He is pursuing you because God loves you because you are priceless to him. This guy goes on and he says that he was lost because no, he was never given the option. He was an atheist because he was never given the option to be anything else. Now, when I was pastoring young people, I remember uh, I had different people, adults, come to me and say, I'm going to bring my, my son, my daughter to church, but I don't want you proselyting. And I'm thinking, that's kind of a strange thing. I don't want you telling them what to believe. And I said, well, I'm not going to tell them what to believe, but I am going to tell them what the Bible says because that's the only way they can know the heart of God. And, of course, their attitude and the thought process was, I just want them to figure it out for themselves. Well, here's the thing. If we could have figured it out for ourselves, God would not have needed to send Jesus. But he sent Jesus to bring this message of hope. He sent Jesus to bring the love of God and to communicate that God loves us, that he loves every single person, that there's not one sin, there's not one uh, thing that he cannot forgive. Because if we listen to others, we find our worth and our value in a declined state because of things that we did or things that we didn't do. And so this morning, I just want to just remind you that the lost coin in this particular story is this. It represents people. So when we read this story and... And it says that a woman lost a coin. It's not saying, yeah, she lost a piece of silver. Boo-hoo. If we can see the correlation, the, the parallel, it's very similar. The story right before says that the man had 100 sheep and he lost one. And he left the 99 because he had those, but he went to search for the one sheep. In this story, it's exactly the same parallel. She had 10 coins and she lost one. And she became feverishly frantic and desperate to find it. That's how God is today. He is frantic to make sure that we as his church share this message of hope. The Bible tells us that God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you, for me, for every person, for your neighbor, for those people that you're not quite sure deserve to be forgiven or born again. But God says their value is they're priceless. They're absolutely priceless. So God considers the soul of every man, you, sir, ma'am, whoever you are that's watching this, whenever you happen to be watching this, 
God is looking at you and he's considering your life as absolutely priceless. And so when a precious soul, according to this parable, when a precious soul goes astray, God doesn't just sit back and go, hasta la vista, baby. You had your chance. Or hey, I can't, you have a free will, you can do whatever you want. Those are true statements. We have a free will. But God doesn't sit back and treat it like, oh well, I have lots more. God's heart begins to long and be burdened for the soul that goes astray. He searches, just like this woman lights a lamp and looks all through her house, looks under rugs or under tables or through couches or whatever it was in her house. She looked through everything she could to find that lost coin. That's exactly what God did. God lit a light, and it was his son. The Bible tells us that Jesus actually told us that he is the light of the world. And when he comes in, he, that light shines and people begin to see themselves. But if they can see themselves through God's lens, through God's viewpoint, here's what happens. They begin to see value. They begin to see their life through God's perspective. And they could say, you could say this today. I'm valuable. I'm valuable to God. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know who you've discouraged. I don't know who you've let down. But here's what I do know. That God sent his own son to die on a cross for you. No matter what anybody says. Oh, you've done it before. You can't try it again. God comes again and again and again. I heard years ago this phrase, the hound of heaven. That God will not let us go. He will not just say, I'm not talking to you anymore. He pursues us. Like this woman pursued this coin. She was looking for it. Desperately looking for it. That word diligent that we see there, it means feverishly. She wasn't going to let give up until she found it. And so God is diligently searching for you, for your family members, for your loved ones, for your neighbors. And maybe if you're sitting here today as I am, and I know I'm born again, I know that my sin is forgiven. So what is my role to make sure that others hear this message? said that in the very beginning that a lot of things have changed, but one thing that hasn't changed is our purpose and our value to God. That has not changed. Your neighbor's value to God, that hasn't changed. So to God, a lost soul is worth searching for. And to God, when a soul is found, it's worth rejoicing over. It's worth rejoicing. And I tell you today, if you would receive Christ, if you would open your heart and just pray a simple prayer, to ask Jesus to come into your life, here's what would happen. A party would break loose in heaven. A party, I believe, would begin to break loose in your heart because God would forgive and lift that sin off of your life. And so this morning as I close, let me just uh, talk to you about the number one and most important decision that you will ever make. And it's making a decision to ask Jesus to come into your life, to ask Christ, to ask God to forgive your sin because you received the sacrifice of Christ. It's about where you want to spend eternity. God wants you to spend eternity with Him. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? God cares. He cares. And listen, it's a decision. It's not a feeling. If you're waiting for a feeling to come, it may not. But it's a simple decision. Like I got up this morning when the alarm went off. I hit the snooze button once. That was a decision. And when it went off the second time, 
My wife helped me make a decision by giving me the old elbow. But the thing is, is it went off the second time and I made a decision. I've got to get up. I didn't want to get up. I didn't feel like getting up, but I got up. And it's the same thing today. If you're waiting for a feeling, you may have it, you may not. I didn't have a feeling when I prayed to receive Jesus. I made a decision because I heard the message of Christ presented. And in my heart, I knew. I knew that I needed to make that decision. And I walked at that on that particular day, I walked to the front of a church. Now today, you can't walk to the front of the church, but this is what you can do. You can pray a prayer with me today. I can pray for you. I can pray a prayer, and you can pray this prayer along with me. And if you will pray this prayer and say, God, I sincerely pray this from my heart, you can know this, that God will forgive your sin. Let me say again, God is searching for you. God is looking for you with everything that he can. He's sending people. He's opening doors. He caused you to listen to this today for whatever reason you found this and you're listening to this. Let me take a minute and let me pray for you.